tonight. Heavenly Father, your Spirit has so inspired your Word so that we can trust it and we can know its profit. But we seek its profit, Father, through your Spirit who inspired your Word so that we might rejoice in Christ before your throne. So we ask for that help tonight so that what's read, what we hear preached, how we receive it, how we respond to it here and wherever it is that we go as we take it with us, may be to your praise. We'd ask that you'd accept our prayers for Christ's sake. Amen. We're going to be reading from Matthew 13, verses 31 to 35, and then consider also the second petition that we find in Matthew 6 of the Lord's Prayer. Find it in Luke also, but uh, that's thy kingdom come. And we are looking at Matthew 13, and it's an appropriate place to go because there's a lot of parables about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven there. And we're going to read about a couple of them that we find there in Matthew 13, 31 to 35. We'll also look at Lord's Day 48 and do so in, in light of the gospel. First, we read from the scriptures from Matthew 13, and we'll read verses 31 to 35. So God's word says to us there, he, he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. And all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. We thank the Lord for that portion of his word that we could read. We take a moment to respond to it by looking at Lord's Day 48. It's dealing with us there, a portion from Matthew 6 and also out of Luke, about the second request or the second petition out of the Lord's Prayer, Thy Kingdom Come. And this is page 123, if you want to follow along, on page 61. What does the second request mean? Thy kingdom come means, rule us by your word and spirit in such a way that more and more we submit to you. Keep your church strong and add to it. Destroy the devil's work. Destroy every force which revolts against you and every conspiracy against your word. Do this until your kingdom is so complete and perfect that in it you are all in all. May God's ministry or the ministry of God's word be a blessing to us in this night. Congregation of our <clears throat> Lord Jesus Christ, you know, at first sound sometimes we might say certain things that can seem a bit contradictory. We call those things paradoxes. They are apparent 
contradictions, but they really aren't contradictions. We could speak of that in the realm of something that's already here and at the same time is not. And that seems like it's an impossibility, but not really. If you think about the, the right situation, it depends on what you're talking about. Somebody might say, well, have your flowers started to come up? And, and I might say, well, yes and no. Yes, they're here, uh, but they're only in budding form. They haven't blossomed yet. So, yeah, they're here, but they're not really at their full beauty as of yet. Uh, somebody might say, well, hey, uh, look at that. The bus, the bus is here. You know, you're waiting for the school bus to arrive, and uh, you say, the bus is here. Well, it may not necessarily be right here, step on, but you see it from a distance coming and you say it's here. Well, it is and it, and it isn't. It, it's down the street, but it's not ready to step on yet. It's not what you might think of as <laughs> completely here. It's not entirely where we need it to be. I could say it's Christmas time. But as Christmas arrived, it might be a few days before, uh, and so you might say, well, yeah, it's Christmas time, but it's, it's here in a sense, but it's not yet fully arrived. Now, when we talk about God's kingdom or the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom's always been here, right? Because God is always sovereign. He's always king. He's been sovereign from eternity, which is be <laughs> just a marvelous thought in itself. But you can go to the Old Testament, you can read there that God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Psalm 145 is a classic psalm that will tell you about that. It'll talk about Jerusalem as the city of the great king, and it's speaking about God that way, God's own city. We hear about Israel wanting a king like the other nations and didn't want a king after God's own heart and rejected God as their king. And yet, in the early portions of the New Testament, we hear of Jesus preaching that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And in the second request of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is teaching us to pray, not, short, not long after he talks about that the kingdom is at hand, that we're supposed to pray, your kingdom come. But you would want to say, well, hasn't the kingdom already been existing? From eternity even. Certainly from the Old Testament times. Couldn't we say that the kingdom of heaven has, has already been displayed also in the birth of Jesus Christ? For he who has come is Christ the Lord. And we say yes to all of that. But like a, a flower that blooms, like a person developing his craft, like a player coming into his own, there, there's always the sense that the, that the kingdom, until Christ returns, is yet to come. It can be more and more during, it came more and more during Jesus' ministry as he fulfills, right, everything that he was supposed to do as the obedient servant of the Lord. This occurred so that the scripture would be fulfilled. It wasn't going to be fulfilled until Jesus carried those particular things out. 
It, it came in his crucifixion as he conquers uh, Satan at the cross and death in resurrection as he in that way conquers death and and in his ascendant ascension as he uh, carries his enemies in his train where he has all authority in heaven on earth given to him by his father as the risen and the reigning Jesus Christ that he is and yet we're still to pray for the coming of God's kingdom. For while it's already here for our encouragement, it's still to come. It's that sense, not yet all that is to be. In that sense, it is still to come. And that's for our encouragement as well, because as it comes more and more, and as we pray for it more and more, then as it comes more and more, it, it becomes a blessing to us until it comes to blessing to the full. And so that's why it's legitimate and understandable that Jesus continues to call us to pray for, our, for his kingdom or for the Father's kingdom to come. And not just thanks for the kingdom that has come. But what exactly are we praying then? Well, I, I put it this way, that we're praying... Personally, we're praying for the church, or ecclesiastically, we're using the fancy word, and we're praying in an even broader way, globally, for the end. God and his kingdom, so it will be all in all. And you know, you could look at it this way, maybe it's kind of like different layers of the of the onion again. You know, you're you're praying individually or personally, you're praying corporately for the church, and then you're praying globally or cosmically. Uh, for all things to, to, to know the fullness of, of God's sovereignty made manifest in this world. So it kind of starts narrowly. We can do it that way, and it just gets broader as we go. So that's what we're going to be looking at. So first of all, we look at the personal side of it or the individual side of it, and that's how our catechism uh, kind of plays out thy kingdom come as well. Rule us by your word and spirit, that more and more we submit to you. We want to be ruled by the Word and Spirit in such a way that more and more we submit uh, to you. One of the things that we acknowledge as Christians is not only that we are children of the Heavenly Father, but we are also citizens of the kingdom of God. And as citizens then, you know, we have a calling to submit to the Lord, just like if you're a citizen of a county or of a state or of a city, uh, you submit to the laws of the land, as long as they're, of course, in accordance with God's word. Uh, but as a citizens, we've got that, that calling to submit, which in our situation now is part of the reason why we need to pray thy kingdom come, because part of the way that the kingdom of heaven comes more and more is when we submit more and more to the rule of God's word and spirit. Now other people, you know, like the idea, they find it very attractive to be led by the spirit because when they hear that, they feel like they're liberated. They can kind of do what they feel like because that's what the spirit gives to them. It, it gives them this, this unrestricted kind of liberty. But they don't like the idea that being led by the Spirit means being led by the Spirit-breathed Word. Being led by the Spirit sounds a bit more flexible than that, more liberating than that. 
being ruled by the word sounds stricter and more legalistic. But if we're going to be led by the Spirit, that isn't this free-spirited model for life to do whatever we want to do, because that's what we left. That's what we left when we left the non-Christian world. And we have to remember that God's Spirit isn't going to contradict His Word. And so we need to know what His Word says to us, and, and as we come to know what that Word says to us by the power of the Spirit, it is that Spirit whom we must ask to apply that Word to our hearts through the Father and to our minds more and more. For the citizen of the kingdom, that means then, that he's, he's asking for conversion in his life or sanctification in his life. The, the dying of the old, the coming of life in, in, uh, to life in the new. We, we want to be more submissive as time goes on. And, and in that way, the kingdom of heaven comes more and more into our own lives then, personally, individually. And we've already confessed to know that, that sovereignty through the grace of God working in our lives unto justification, being right with God, being in a new relationship with Him, unto eternal life through the blood of, of Christ shed and the Spirit moving us to faith. But now we want the kingdom to show itself more and more in the way that we operate in life. And there's tremendous application, of course, that can be found in a point like that. When we're praying like that, we're asking that the Lord would have us submit more and more to anything and everything that he calls us to do. And that gets very applicable, doesn't it? He calls us to be a more loving husband. If we're husbands, he wants us to be a better father. If we're a father, more and more in terms of teaching and discipline and discernment and wisdom towards the children that we've been given, and that for mothers as well. Uh, he wants us to be more and more the, the wives and husbands that he's called us to be, living with devotion to our husbands and wives, if that's the case in which we find ourselves, even as the church is devoted to Christ, her husband, and, and Christ is sacrificial to her to uh, her bride, his bride, the church. He wants our children to be more and more good listeners to their mothers and their fathers and honoring them with godly living and making their lives more of a blessing and less of a pain. Working at being better students and not worse students as the time approaches again for that all to start firing up again. Making it easier for the teachers. Making it easy for the, again, for, for the, the home life that way. To work better at being better teachers if we're in that position. And not less as school time approaches, working at our calling with renewed effort, competence, and, and not less. You know, see see how you can be more of a blessing in the Church of Jesus Christ, not less as time goes on to work at our patience and our temper and our generosity and our attitude, right? I, you can see that application can just go in a boundless direction. Maybe you, you need to be more joyous, or you need to be more optimistic, or you, you need to more of a witness to others around you who don't know Jesus. Maybe you need to, to work at 
at dwelling on what's good and pure and of good report and less on what's perverted and trivial. Perhaps there's a need to be less begrudging, more forgiving. Perhaps there's a need to be more knowledgeable in the faith instead of being superficial. You know, in, in, in any case, wherever we fit in all of that, in all of these things and more, there are just ways for us to submit to the rule of the Spirit and the rule of the Word. That when it happens... When it happens, it's showing that the kingdom is coming more and more into our own personal lives. That's one of the reasons to pray, thy kingdom come. And in that way, we see in part the parables of which Jesus speaks here coming to fruition as well. The yeast of the kingdom permeating our lives as the kingdom seed grows. Uh, As Jesus, in speaking these parables, is revealing what had been hidden uh, for since the foundation of the world. But we'll also see the growth and permeation when we see the church being kept strong and seeing it grow. Right? And that's, that's another way in which the Catechism exposits Matthew 6. Keep your church strong and add to it. The Catechism says that it wants to see the church grow. It doesn't mean it just wants it to grow for growing's sake. Just add numbers where no faith is found. That doesn't matter. As long as you've got a bunch of people there, that's what we want to see happen. Well, that wouldn't keep the church strong, would it? But there's a calling to see the word of the sovereign grace of God spread and and people be added to its church's number through a true and saving faith. Both the propagation and the preservation of the church is worthy of our prayers. We should never want just one and not the other. To have a church preserved is well and good, and we thank God for that. We want to pray that the church will be kept from wrong teaching and and from disharmony, right? Because those are indications of weakness. We pray the church will not become lukewarm to its calling to be a light to the world. And we need to pray that the Lord will not allow the church to, to be cavalier and free in its doctrinal approach, nor in the understanding of, of what is wrong and right in life. Because if those things happen, as we heard a little bit this morning, we hear more often, then the church isn't going to be the church. The church doesn't need to exist for that. The church isn't needed for that. You can just go and live in the world. You're just All you're doing is you're expending effort and property and, and money and time and people's time for something that doesn't even matter because you can get that apart from the church of Jesus Christ. But we don't want to forget that the church is also called to go forward with the proclamation of the gospel in a positive way. We want to defend the faith, but we also want to promote the faith. And both things must be done. right? If people want to promote the faith without defending it, there isn't going to be any faith to promote. But the defense of the faith is intended so that the truth may be proclaimed and promoted, because it's worth that. This is also where the 
parables find application. It's, it's a, again, a revealing of what has been hidden, but it's true. The proclamation of the kingdom starts in Jerusalem, it spreads to Samaria, it goes to the other outermost parts, the outermost parts of the world. There's to be a growth in the kingdom. There's to be a permeation of the gospel in every part of God's creation. And so when we pray for the kingdom to come, we're, we're praying for the strength of the church and for its growth. And it's a good thing to pray that more and more people will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's a good thing to pray that, that all of God's elect will be gathered through the proclamation of the gospel. It's a good thing to pray that the church will remain strong, that it won't lose its light, it won't lose its torch, that its pulpit will stay strong, that its leadership will stay strong, that its membership will remain uh, strong and grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray for strength within and we pray for growth without. And that's part of what we're doing when we're praying that to God the Father that his kingdom would come. But these parables can also speak to us about what is left for us to cover, which is that broader request that God would be all in all, that his kingdom would know a full blossom, uh, that it will arrive in all its, its beauty and its fullness, that evil will no longer have a place in the kingdom of the Lord. That is a worthwhile prayer. That is what Jesus is teaching as we pray, your kingdom come. The earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We know that Jesus defeated the forces of evil at the cross and that that was made evident through his resurrection and his ascension to the right hand of God. And yet the full application of that principle is still waiting its fulfillment. We, we take joy and comfort in knowing that the kingdom is. Right? It's not like everything is being run by the devil. Everything is being run by the Lord. We take joy in that. But we're still waiting its fulfillment. It's in praying for that, that full growth, that, that full permeation of the kingdom, we're asking for the destruction of evil. We hear in our exposition of, of uh, the petition, destroy the devil's work, destroy every force which revolts against you and every conspiracy against your word. Do this until your kingdom is so complete and perfect that in it you're all in all. In praying for that full growth, that, that full permeation, we're asking for evil's destruction. We ask in the hearts of people that this will happen so that they might come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They might be transformed. We pray that people will not be bamboozled by falsehood in places that claim to be churches and, and places where no such claims are made whatsoever. They don't want to be a church. They just want to be full-blown evil. We don't pray for destruction, though, in the sense of holy wars that, that Islam prays for their enemies because we're not in that position. We're not praying for the sword. We've heard about that this morning, too, that... Uh, David's deliverance came not by the sword, but by being an instrument of 
the Lord's power and grace, but but we're, we're not praying for the sword to take vengeance upon those who oppose the Christian cause in this life. We pray for mercy to touch such people's lives, blessings, not cursing, uh, leaving vengeance to the Lord. But we do pray, we do pray that the futility of faithlessness and lawlessness may be made more evident in God's providence. And sometimes you can see that happen evidently in very, very, in a very manifest sort of way. I was talking to somebody this morning about, you know, times past, even with the, the RYS convention. You know, you see these people who come there and you say, you know, this is a great experience. But for the most part, everybody who's there wants to be there. They don't have to be there. It's a volunteer thing. But, but when they're all there, they can take a great joy in, and, and they really anticipate and they're really looking forward to being able to be in the fellowship of others who wanted to be there, and they also take great delight in hearing from the truths of God. They want to. They're hungering and they're thirsting after righteousness. And I mentioned about how uh, years ago, having opportunity at various times to be in prison ministry, and you'd go there, and you just were shocked because you had people there who were on death row. They were never going to get out. And you had other people there who were going to be there for a long time. And you have other people there who wish they weren't going to be there for the short time that they were, but they know why they had to be there. And they had hit bottom. And when, the, when some, you know, in God's providence, sometimes when people hit the bottom, the only place to look is up. You know, and so you pray for that, and that's what you saw. I mean, I, I saw times countlessly like that where you could hardly get across your address to, to them because they wanted to ask so many questions because they were hungry, they were thirsting, because they knew about the futility of their lives. And they had been learning about the fullness of Christianity. And they were drinking it up, and that was very very appealing thing to see. And so sometimes God uses the futility of people's faithlessness, the, the reaping of what they've sown poorly, their lawlessness in his providence to bring them around to be open to the gospel word. I mean, there's others who will be hardened to that, but other people are are looking for something. And by God's grace and providence, they find it in Christ. And so we pray for that. That, that people will see that that, law, that life of lawlessness and faithlessness just doesn't pay. It's useless. It's just heading down the path of death and destruction. We pray that by God's mercy, the futility will be used by the Lord to direct them to meaning. Right? to fullness in Jesus Christ that we're used to hearing about. And that we have to be careful we don't take for granted either. We pray that the Lord will be merciful to his people, to his church, and to those who are yet to come to faith so that it, would, it wouldn't be less and less people, but rather more and more people who will be delivered from the darkness of evil. But we're also praying for the day when evil will be no more. And 
we can't bring that to be. I mean, we, we can be an influence. We can be part of what God uses to show forth His kingdom in this world. But we don't bring the kingdom in that full blossomed way. That's why we have to come to God. Pray that He'll do that. Right? We pray for that day when evil will be no more, which God will accomplish. Pray for that day when the kingdom will come in power and great glory, that day when Christ is going to return and he's going to, be, he's going to make all things new. And then there won't be any more sin or curse, no longer the effects of sin, but instead that God will be all in all. And that's not a pipe dream. That's going to happen. The things for which we're praying are things that God brings about. The way that Jesus teaches us is what God brings about. And that's the day for which every believer and every citizen of God's kingdom in his kingdom in Christ is to yearn. If, if your priority is the praising of the name of God, the yearning for his kingdom is right up there. Which is why it's right up there. If that's your yearning, that yearning is to find its way into your prayers, into my prayers. Yearning through through prayer for that day for which we're all called to be watching. Like a servant waiting for his master. Like virgins waiting for the bridegroom with lamps burning brightly. And in turn we pray for that watchful attitude. Right? Where we will be ready for the Lord's return. It won't be a surprise to us no matter when that day might be. There will be a thief like a day when, uh, like a thief who comes in the night. We'll be praying this way daily until that day comes when the Lord calls us home. Or until that day comes when this prayer is no longer necessary to pray because the day of His kingdom will have arrived and God will be all in all. Our prayer for the coming of the kingdom then are prayers that are personal, they're corporate, they're global, they're cosmic, they're for individuals, they're for the church, they're for the universe, for the world. And they're requests that are so encompassing and they are so permeating that we long for the day when the kingdom will come and God will be all in all. May such requests always be found in our prayers so that more and more we'll, we'll see the kingdom of heaven come in our own lives, in the ministry of the church, and in all creation when Christ returns on the clouds of glory. Amen. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for a Christ and a Savior and a Lord who has taught us to pray, and may we learn lessons of prayer every day, for every day considering our own needs to be ruled by your word and spirit. We pray for the strength of your church and, Father, also for others to be added to it. We pray, Lord, that even as you will, destroy the devil's work, that you may do so in the lives of people not following you. And also, Lord, to such an extent that 
evil will be no more, no pain, no sorrow, no death. We pray not in a pipe dream, but in accordance with your promises. When completion and perfection and a new heaven and a new earth will occur. When all, the all in all will be found in you. We pray thanking you that this could be so. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.